How are we doing? Good to see everybody. And uh, beautiful time of prayer. I feel like we probably could have just kept praying tonight. Um, but we had to get started. And I have to make sure that I keep on the Pastor David legacy on time. You know, I have to keep that going. So it, it is important. Um, I shared this at prayer, but just to remind folks, um, the trip, uh, Speak of Pastor David, is going really, really well. Um, the conferences in Madrari went very well. I'm probably saying that wrong. He's in Hyderabad now, finishing up there, the last pastor's conference, and then we'll be flying back. So keep him in prayer. Keep Michelle in prayer as um, she's going to be traveling back and continue to keep Paul in prayer. Let's just keep the Marini crew in prayer, please, please, please. Um, and also just keeping Pastor Jeff in prayer. The time at the Shepherd School is going really, really well. Um, and being a big, big blessing, um, just what's going on there, and pray for his precious bride. As we heard, she took a little fall today. Uh, and we prayed tonight, but reminding everyone to be praying for everything going on in Israel, and to be praying for everything going on in that region, as, as I said at prayer, and I'll say right now, salvation. That's, that's where my heart is with everything going on. We know the biblical prophecies, we know that what is going on, we can look at it and we can see that it's setting the stage for things that are to come. But at the same time, I don't want us to be a body that's going down rabbit's holes so lost with that that we're forgetting the most important thing, souls coming unto salvation. That is the most important thing. So, so please keeping that in prayer and saints keeping that in prayer for our church keeping that in prayer for this area and, and really being his hands and feet and getting out there and sharing. Don't just take what you're getting here, or what you're getting in home groups or wherever you are and just leaving it there. Make sure that we're taking it out. Make sure that we're sharing it. Make sure that we are truly being the church in this time. Truly, truly, truly. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity again to come in your word, Lord. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word, Lord. Help us, Lord, to not take for granted that right now in this moment we can freely gather and freely read your word, Lord. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world that face persecution for doing what we're doing right now, Lord. Persecution for even attempting to do it, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And we just, we just pray for your bride, Lord that it would be about your word alone, your word rightly divided, that you would help me help the other men that are called to preach your word, to rightly divide your word, to feed your sheep, to tend your sheep, to feed your sheep. Please, Lord, bless our time right now in your word, Heavenly Father. Draw us closer unto you. Lead and guide me and lead and guide your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in the book of Psalm on Wednesday night for anybody who hasn't been here with us on Wednesday. Cool to see some new faces. Uh, and with that, I just want to say we're still in Psalm 18, folks. Um, so we got through verses 7 to 19, and we're going to get through 10 more verses tonight. So we're, we're moving forward a little bit. Um, but last week, we looked at 7 to 19, and we looked, and the title of the message was Delivered safe. And in that, we saw the victorious and grand delivery of David. We saw that beautiful delivery and were reminded that that delivery comes by one alone, God. Thank you for getting Bibles. If anybody else needs a Bibles, we've got a new usher, Linda. She's there. She'll get them for you. Uh, we also saw last week God's judgment upon David's enemies is what brought about his deliverance that judgment that God had. And we also were reminded of the power of God, the power of God. We saw the hail, we saw the coals, uh, we saw the, the, the stones, the, the hail coming down. Uh, we had a joke at the men's conference because some of the men hit hail on the way down, driving down. So it was like, okay, we're, we're putting Psalm 18 in real life context, seeing the hail come down. But again, we saw God's power. And in that, a reminder to us if you are a born-again believer, if Jesus is your Messiah, you've experienced the power of God in your life. Do you remember that? Do you hold on to that? Because it's, it's, it's something that I think we can forget. And as we go through the passages tonight, remember the heart of your salvation. Remember that heart when you first said, I believe. I'm yours. You're my Messiah. 
Now, the charge for last week, threefold as always. One, inventory of your prayer life. Did you do that? Did you take inventory over this last week of what your prayer life is like? Did you examine, do you bring the word of God into your prayer life? Or do you separate the two? Do you bring the word of God into it? Do you pray scriptures? Do you pray for the character of God to be built within you? Two was to encourage our body to pray together more to be in one accord. It was a blessing tonight to see some other faces at prayer. And I'm praying that the body comes together in prayer. We walked through Acts last week. We saw what happens when the church comes together and prays in one accord. So we're, we're missing out on one of the best gifts God's given us. We're not using the arsenal that he has given us. So again, keep that going. Encourage one another. And when you gather with anybody from this church, you better pray together. <laughs> pray together. Pray for one another. Well, we're just doing whatever. As I said Sunday, I don't care what you're doing. Pray. Pray together. It is vital. It is important. And the other piece that we looked at is to pray for repentance and to pray for salvation. And that looks for ourselves we need to be continually in repentance and praying for our world. There's this desire. You hear people, and especially with everything going on, again, you hear more people talking, revival, revival. We got to have revival. Let's plan a revival. And I'm like, you can't plan a revival. That's not how that goes. What you do is you get a body of believers who have a heart of repentance collectively. That heart of repentance ignites conviction, repentance, and something happens within the body, and the Lord does what he needs to do. We saw it with the movement that our church is part of, Calvary Chapel. And I keep talking about that, but I can't not when I look at what's going on. So again, we need to be in prayer for that. And we need to be in prayer as one accord for that. Amen? And the other piece that we had last week was that sweet time of prayer. It was just a moment at the end where we were able to lift up prayer and again, do that. Do that at home. Do that with each other. Do it regularly. Is your house a house of prayer? Does prayer ebb and flow 24-7 in your home? If it doesn't, make it. Do it. We need to. Now, tonight, we're going to go through verses 20 to 30 in a message that I've entitled, His Way. And in this, you could say the theme that we're looking at is God's faithfulness in conjunction with our faithfulness to Him. And we see that parallel coming, and we see in it all, there's a piece of correction that matters in the portrait of His Way. And with this, in these 10 verses, we're going to see David recount his faithfulness to God. He's going to talk about his faithfulness. And it's important to realize David's not talking about his sinlessness. He's talking about his faithfulness to God. He was not sinless. We know that real well. I'll say a name, Bathsheba. We know he was not sinless. In this passage tonight, we're going to also see the fruit of obedience to God's way and living in repentance. It's the fruit of obedience. If you love me, you keep my commandments. Keeping God's commandments, raise your hand if you can keep them perfectly without ever making a mistake. Why is no one's hand up? We've got to live in repentance, live in that place where we are willing to know, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me to do better. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me to do better. In this, we're going to have a reminder of God's character and action based on the heart of each man, based on the heart of each individual. And in it, we're also going to see in this passage the power of faith in him, in God alone. And that, that last word is important because it's about faith in God alone. And at the end of this passage, we're going to see God's perfection is anchored on one thing, his word, and trusting him. It's a twofold, his word and trusting him. So some questions I want you pondering before we even delve into the text tonight. Are you faithful? Are you faithful? Are you correctable? Do you receive correction? 
Are you yielded? Are you trusting? Are you okay with his way? Are you okay with his timing on things or not? So let's delve into our text. Psalm 18, verse 20. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. So remember the context of this. This psalm starts, it's a whole song of David recounting the deliverance that God gives. And we see this psalm, remember, in two places in scripture. We see it here, and it's believed that it's written before he's getting on the throne. Like right or right before. So if you're thinking 2 Samuel like 3, 4, 5, somewhere in there is when that would have been done. But if you fast forward to 2 Samuel 22, guess what? You're going to see this come back again. And it's him looking back on his life. So we saw the first way, the way that this even began. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Remember, we spent some time in those first two verses because we've got to remember his whole song starts about remembering who God is to him. Then it went to the deliverance, but the deliverance, don't forget, what did it start with? Prayer in verse six. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple. My cry came from him even to his ears. Then we see the deliverance and now we're at verse 20. The Lord starts again personally. That capital L-O-R-D, when we see that, it's personal. And we've got to remember everything that David's putting forth is about his personal relationship with God. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Now, when David is saying here, according to my righteousness, this isn't David saying, the Lord rewarded me because hashtag perfect is me. No, that's not what's going on. What he is putting a picture here of is he's pleading his integrity. He's pleading his innocence and directly tied to Saul and everything that he went through there. We saw this, if you remember, if you go back to Psalm 17, when we studied that, verse 1. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. We saw that in Psalm 17. And if you remember, we talked about how in that particular moment, he knew he had innocence before God. He knew his cause was just. And we see when it's another moment, when Bathsheba, I mentioned that name before, later on we're going to see in Psalms, he knows when he's wrong too. He knows when he has that integrity before God. That's what he's alluding to here. Then he says, for I have, and we're going to now see, he, he kind of defines what he's done to be able to get to that place. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. That second part of the first half is him giving thanksgiving unto God. That's thanks. He, 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 he cleanses me. How did that all go down? For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. He kept the ways of the Lord. When there are slips, when there are mishaps, David repented. And he kept his faith in God. We're in Psalm 18. Think of all of the Psalms we've looked at before this. I keep pointing out in each of them, what does David do every single time? Looks to the faith and evidence of who God is. Every single time. In this, David is not sinless. No one can be sinless. Let's be real. I think I get frustrated when I hear believers talking, well, but, we're, but you know, we're, we're, we're saints. We're this. Yes, I call you saints, but we're not sinless, folks. We need Jesus. <laughs> and, and we're not perfect till we get to him. We're not sinless. No one can be. But the beautiful thing is God enables his servants to pursue godliness in this life. That's what we have to realize. He enables us. Notice it's not that we can just do it on our own. He enables us. He gives us the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to do that. We keep looking at Acts 1-8 as a church because I keep trying to remind us of the power that comes from the Holy Spirit to do the things that God calls us to do. Another verse that we've been looking at a lot, Romans 12, 1 and 2, 
We just looked at it in the context of worshiping God in spirit and truth. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Do you see that again? It's never on our own accord. It's never by our way. By the mercies of God that we do what? Present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some translations say spiritual worship. And then we see the truth. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And there's only one thing that's going to help you do that, the word of God. His word, his spirit, his way. The word of God is going to be the one that gives the anchor to do that. That's why we see Psalm 119, 11. Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, 105. The word is an anchor in that. Because when we read the Psalms, remember, we have to take it in the context of the whole counsel of the word of God. Because David, again, the faith that that man has without having Jesus and the scripture, I'm like, whew, okay, good for you. I don't know if I could honestly have that, but we have no excuse. We've got the whole, we've got it all. We've got the playbook, friends. Now, again, we know the text here we, is two moments of his life that this is sung. So we know it's before the things go down with Bathsheba, but it's also after things go down with Bathsheba. But he writes in this and he sings to this, I've kept the ways of the Lord. So you could say to yourself, how does he keep the way of the Lord with everything he did with Bathsheba? And then he's a murderer and all of these things that he does. The ways the statutes of our Lord include forgiveness and repentance. That's what we're talking about when we say having a life of repentance, a life that goes there, that goes there. Because what does David delight in? We see in Psalm 1, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it, he meditates day and night. If your delight is in the law of the Lord, guess what? It's going to convict you. It's going to bring about correction, conviction, and repentance. Verse 22, for all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. David remained correctable. So a question I have for us to think about tonight, are you correctable? Are you correctable? Are you able to receive correction? Think about that. If somebody comes to you with something, if the word of God, you're reading it and it pierces your heart, are you correctable? Or does pride come in, doubt, unbelief, other things that get in the way of us being able to say, Lord, I need your chastening. Refine me. David remains steadfast to God's timing. That's part of what he does here when he is not putting his statutes away from him. He surrendered to God's timing. Saints, remember, twice he could have killed Saul. It could have been done. He could have gotten the throne his own way. He knew it was promised to him. He could have just made it happen. But that's not what he does because he's yielded. He's surrendered to God's timing. Are you yielding and trusting God's timing? Because with taking the correction... That means you've got to take his timing. That also means you need to also trust his means of having his will happen. It's a surrender. We sing that song sometimes uh, as a worship team. Pastor David loves it. I love it. We, we both laugh about how much we love that one song, I surrender. Because we need to come to that place regularly. And sometimes God will reveal how he's going to do, or we're watching something unfold that we're praying for, and we doubt, or we don't believe, or we challenge God. And guess what? When we do those things, that's sin that becomes a hindrance from truly observing and being obedient to our king. In the sin with Bathsheba, we see, guess what? David's sin was confronted. When the prophet came to him, when Nathan came to him, it was full force. Hey, spotlight, it's on you, dude. We're talking about you here. But he allowed, when his sin was confronted, to receive correction. When you are confronted with sin, do you receive the correction? Conviction, are you convinced of what you've done? 
Or when you are confronted, do you cower? Or worse, do you chase that sin even more? Because the heart that we see here in David is one that when that conviction comes, he took it and went to the place that he needed to of repentance. He went to the place that he needed to of repentance. How does he get there? Remember again how this whole psalm starts. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Full stop. Is that a prayer of your heart? I will love you, O Lord, my strength. That's a powerful thing to to tell the Lord. It's full love to him. It's full saying, I'm nothing. All my strength is in you. And then that reminder that he, the Lord, is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. We went through the depth of what all that means. But is that your prayer? Because when that's your prayer, guess what? When you're confronted with sin, repentance is going to be easy. You're going to go to that place of repentance. And that's where we need to be. And that's why I talk about the heart of your salvation. Because think about that place that you get when you surrender everything to Jesus for the first time. Nothing matters more to you than Jesus Christ. But how quickly, as time goes on, we move away from that heart of our salvation. Think about the early days as a believer. I think it's the, we, we in Christian culture joke about it, where it's like, oh, I was so on fire. Anybody that I saw, I want to tell you about Jesus. Can I tell you about Jesus? I want to tell you about Jesus. Oh, I was so crazy. No, you were right where you need to be as a believer and bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spark that fire again. Get back to that place. Get back to the heart of your salvation. We need to be in constant care that we keep the sin that so easily besets us out of our lives. If you want to be proven upright before God, that's the key. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And when we look at Hebrews chapter 12, we have that first word, therefore. And men, when we went through this, my personal conviction is that's the most important therefore in the whole Bible. Because if you then look at chapter 11, go through it on your own, homework assignment, read Hebrews 11, write a book report, email it to me sometime. But read Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. It's this journey of relentless faith and covers all time and gamut of that faith. And then we read in verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, everybody that we saw in that previous chapter that remained faithful, that put their sin aside, therefore, we, us, because of that, who have the whole counsel of the word of God to lean on, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And that word every is every. That word every, that secret sin that no one knows about, you put it in front of the Lord. Everything, your thoughts, your your reel of what you are thinking as you're going through the day, all of it. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Endurance is strength. Whose strength? The Lord. Endurance is going forward no matter what, not stopping. Looking unto who? Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. He authors it with the heart of our salvation. He finishes it. May we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, who for the joy that was set before him, think of that, our Savior Jesus, for the joy, he saw joy because of the love that was had through God the Father, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what we need to be striving for. We need to be laying aside that sin. We need to be pushing it aside and having nothing to do with it. And guess what? It's a choice. It is a choice. Luke 9, 23. You know, I love that verse, any of the youth that are here. Deny yourself daily. It's a choice to lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. Then we have next verse 23 and 24. And when we look at these, 
I think of this idea of this is going to be as close as we ever get to prosperity gospel as with me as your pastor, okay? We're going to go there for a minute, folks. We're going to have some prosperity. Who's ready here? Pastor David, if he's watching, he's probably like, what is he doing? I'm going to read verse 23 and 24. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. If you want this prosperity, friends, I want to give you the secret. David's steadfast faith in God amidst adversity led to spiritual prosperity. So you want prosperity? You want that spiritual prosperity? Let's dig into adversity. Let's dig into that. Let's dig into trials. Let's dig into tribulation. Let's dig into hardship. And we're going to prosper spiritually if we have steadfast faith in God. Turn to James 1 with me. Because again, applying the way David was able to go forth. Because we see what he says in the verses we just looked at. He talks about his own iniquity, everything. The trials he goes through. James chapter 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever I read that, just remember, that's our identity. Introduce yourself that way to anybody that you meet after this, please. Put your name, bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you can't say that, let's talk and get you to a place that you can. Moving on. To the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy. Not if, but when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's that spiritual prosperity, because it's drawing us closer to who our king has designed us to be. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith. That steadfast faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And if we think about that man that's in the sea, he's got the house on the sand, not on the rock of salvation. That's where we build. That's where we go. That's the place of spiritual prosperity. If we go to Acts chapter 5 with me. This is a chapter when we're looking at this, Acts chapter 5, opposition to Christ is taking place in this moment as the church is growing. And guess what? Notice what I said, as the church is growing. Opposition is coming, but more believers are coming, which should be a reminder to us in 2023, don't lose hope. I, I, I love this body, but I don't want to hear us say, they're, they're, there's no hope for them in Durham or in Chapel Hill. They're too woke. No, let's get out there and give the word. Let's get out there. The harvest is ripe. Now in this, in verse 18 and 19, we see the apostles, they get imprisoned as they're preaching the gospel. An angel delivers them, rescues them to be able to do the work, but they're told, no more. You can't do this anymore. No more preaching the word. I love their answer in verse uh, 28. Did we not strictly command you to not teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter said, and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witness to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Mic drop. I love that. May we be a people that that's how we face when that adversity comes because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's about obeying God. It's about doing what he says to do. And notice, repentance comes up. Repentance for Israel, the forgiveness of sins. They're living in that. They're going through that. And then they're beaten, verse 40, and they agreed with them. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as Christ. Saints, if we remember the heart of our salvation, because David's talking about 
in this whole psalm, his deliverance from the enemy and moving, and he's moving to the enthronement. And I want us to remember the picture. We have all been delivered with our salvation in Christ. And we're running that race to that precious moment, that millennial reign. We're running that race, right? So guess what? As we're running that race, for us, it's the journey of continual repentance. And for us, it's the journey of standing steadfast for the Lord. And if persecution comes for doing that, rejoicing in it. And if we don't want to rejoice in the persecution, that lands in that iniquity that we see in verse 23. Read verse 23 with me again. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. The faith that David has allows him to embrace the trial. I don't know how else it could be that 20 years as a fugitive on the run, he continually looks to the faith in God. And we talked about his feelings probably didn't want to go there, but it's faith over those feelings. It's not about getting lost in how we feel. Blameless isn't that he's blameless, it's that he's keeping faith no matter what. And then David, not perfect, but a man after God's own heart, kept himself from my iniquity. Guess what? He's personalizing that relationship with sin. And sin is in us all. And we need to be guarding against our tendencies of sin so that we don't then walk in iniquities. And that's what I'm going with that persecution that we just looked at. If that's something you see that and it's like, oh, I don't know if I really want to face that persecution, work that out so that you can do that through him. Because that's saying I don't have faith in God to give me the power to handle that. That's doubting the king. He can empower you. He can bring you through that. My iniquity. He says, I kept myself from my iniquity. That moment with Bathsheba, there was great discipline from God for that sin. There was discipline that he went through. And guess what? When we look at that, do you see any recordings of David going down that same road again after that? No. That's the way we need to be about that. That sin that so easily besets us that we move aside. But when we deal with that sin, guess what? Keep moving forward. Don't go back to it. And we have to remind ourselves, we've got Jesus. Sin has been dealt with once and for all. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. It's been dealt with once and for all. Romans 6, starting in verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, because of all that we just read, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. Highlight that, underline it, memorize it, put it on a post-it, put it everywhere, put it where you're tempted to sin, put it where you, the habits come in that make you want to sin, pop it there. Do not let sin reign in your body. Verse 13, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of the righteousness to God. Remember that living sacrifice? This is the, the footnote on that. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Remember that. Write that on your heart. Because again, it's about that faith that we're seeing in God. That's what he's talking about here, his faith in God. Where's your faith in God? And are you keeping yourself from your own iniquity? Turn to James 4. Another reminder for us, because again, we can see the reminders that David gives and we get the gift of having the whole word. So let's remind ourselves. James 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. So again, based on all the things that we've seen thus far in the book of James, I'll spare us going there right now because we'd be here a little longer and I already go longer. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do you stand on that promise? When that temptation comes, resist it. 
and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That temptation comes. Put it aside. Get in the word. Get in prayer. The Lord will then meet you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Because when we're tempted, we're on that straddle line of double-mindedness. Because it's like, okay, I want to live for the Lord, but I want to do that thing. Okay, I'm kind of straddling. No, put it aside. Draw near to him. And we just saw David talk about the cleanness of his hands. Be able to stand in that place and know with this particular thing, I'm clean, Lord. I am clean before you. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And then what does the Lord do? He lifts you up. Because saints, if we are humbling ourselves, our heart posture is in the right spot. When we humble ourselves, our heart is in humility before our king. And that's what David does. And this, we get to verse 25, because now he's going to recount seeing God's action. But that action came from the faith that he had. And culturally, yes, there were things around obedience and curses. It's different for us than it would have been in the Mosaic law because we have Jesus. We're under grace now. But now he says, verse 25, with the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. For you will save the humble people, but will bring down the haughty looks. Notice there, it's about the heart. What does he do with the humble? He saves. What did the end of that portion of James that we looked at? Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Now, this same passage should remind you of words that we see from our Savior. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. It's very similar. Merciful, merciful, blameless, blameless, pure. You'll show yourself pure. There's a deeper context, a deeper meaning that we have to take. When we go to Matthew chapter 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he had seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, First, Jesus has them look inward. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So these are the Beatitudes. We know this well. And I, I like to think of it as Beatitudes. It's the Beatitudes, the way, the attitudes that we need to have as believers. First, and it's the goal for all Christians, poor in spirit. When we're poor in spirit, that is knowing we're sinful, we're rebellious, and there's no moral virtue in us but for the blood of Jesus, but for the story of Jesus written in our lives that we receive and believe. Now, that doesn't mean that we then beat ourselves up. That's, you know, former Catholic here. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about pounds of Catholic guilt, but being aware of who you were before Christ and who he is and that your moral standing is only through him. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's mourning the deep grief over our fallen state. That's what that is. It's the deep grief over that. And we're comforted by the gift of salvation, by the Holy Spirit who is our comforter. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now it shifts to outward. Meek is not meaning weak here. The meek have strength, but it's strength that is under control. It's humility. It's a strength that is willing to submit to authority. It's the believer. It's the one that's willing to serve others. It's the willingness to go beyond. Then we see verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. John chapter 4. That's all I'm going to say on that one. What we just saw. The woman at the well. The new water. The bread of life that no one hungers again. Merciful, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We have Christ's mercy. Empty yourself of the pride and show mercy unto others. Shower others with mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When you are pure in heart, that's honest. That's clear. That's clarity. And they will see God. They see God in nature. They see God in scripture. They see God in the people of the world, in the church, because it's about seeing God, the mind of Christ dwelling in you, that you're that humble bondservant that looks about as the Lord does for who needs, who's hungry, who's thirsty. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. 
That's bringing peace by overcoming evil with good. And if you think about those moments where David could have gotten rid of the life, I see that as a moment of doing something good by standing on God's timing for things. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Persecution for the word of God. Notice it's about the word of God. It's about persecution for his name's sake, not about yourself. It's about him, persecution for him. And in that, verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's our reward. David's recounting his reward in this song. Our reward is the eternal reward with our King Jesus. It is a blessing to be persecuted for the word of God. It is a thing to rejoice over. It is a thing to be glad over because we have eternal treasures. That's where we lay our treasures. We're not about how many likes we get on social media. I'm sorry to burst your bubble teens in the room, but it doesn't matter how many likes you have on social media. Lay your treasures in heaven. Not about the number of money in your bank account or anything. It's about laying those treasures in heaven. David faced persecution. We see it throughout these passages. And each time he looked to the Lord. He looked to the character of God. He goes back to that and he stays there. And when we look at The character that we see of our Savior talking in Matthew 5 of these attributes and what they mean and the eternal reward, and we look at the character that David lied in of God, it reminds us God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character doesn't change. The mercy doesn't change. The grace doesn't change. The blessings don't change. It's not the way the world may say those should look, but it's eternally focused. It's eternally focused. God in Psalm 18, he's relating to the heart. He's relating to the heart. And Jesus reinforces those same things there because if we think about David and Saul, we've got two different folks because we have David who you could see as the merciful one because he's staying faithful to God. Saul's the devious one. And guess what? God's going to outsmart the devious ones. But David leaves the vindication to the Lord. David has personal experience seeing all of this play out, verses 25 to 27, in his life with the observations of how things went with Saul. And then verse 27, you will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks. That vindication again, remember what I said about seeing one person's prayer life. We see David's. He's consistent. Who does he leave vindication in the hands of? God. It's not him trying to take it. He leaves it in God's hands. Is your faith secure in God's faithfulness? Do you leave it in God's hands? Or do you say, Lord, I trust you. I'm just gonna do this little thing. I'm gonna call this person. I'm gonna do that thing, but I trust you, Lord. You got this. Are you trusting? Are you taking control? Verse 28. For you will light my lamp The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. You will, you will, by my God, by this. He has confidence in what's been done and he's exhibiting confidence in the future. There's confidence in the future for you will light my lamp. Chuck Smith used to say, God guides, God provides. You will light my lamp. You are going to go through that. The Lord will enlighten my darkness. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. For us, if we need our path lit, get in the word. I don't want to hear people figuring out, I'm figuring this out of my life or that. If you're not in the word, you're not figuring anything out because you don't have the lamp on. You need the word. No word, no life, no anything. Well, I'm prospering. I'm doing all this. Okay, We saw Psalm 2, what happens to those who think they're prospering on their own. It's vanity. The word has to be presence in that. Then we see, for by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. 20 years a fugitive, you would think he'd be spent. But no, he's not. Because by the king, Jesus, by God, for us Jesus, for him God, 
who is Jesus. He's empowered. He's empowered. He has the strength by God to do his will. He has God's relentless strength. Zechariah 4, 6 is understood, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's understood there. His faith is fully God alone. A Spurgeon quote I want to share on faith. With faith, how easy all exploits become. When we have no faith, though, to fight with enemies and overcome difficulties is hard work indeed. But when we have faith, oh, how easy our victories. What does the believer do? There is a troop. Well, he runs in faith. Then to fight with the enemies and overcome difficulties is hard wall. What about that? He leaps over it. It is amazing how easy life becomes when a man has faith. Does faith diminish difficulties? Oh no, it increaseth them. But it increaseth his strength to overcome them. If thou hast faith, thou shalt have trials, but thou shalt do great exploits, endure great privations, and get triumphant victories. It's about that same faith that we see David exhibiting time and time and time again. And that faith hits the last verse for tonight. As for God, because that's where the faith roots, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. God's way, perfect. The word proven through those fiery trials, through everything. And what is he? A shield for who? All who trust in him. And in our culture today, that all, every time you see all tied to salvation, remind yourself, one equalizer, there's one unifier, there's one way, Jesus. You can go get lost in all these things, but there's truly just one way. And for us, 2 Timothy 3.6, turn there quick, I'll just read it, 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture, I emphasize all Old Testament, New Testament, every single verse taken in context, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Good thing for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What did David just talk about? His righteousness. David delighted in the word of the God day and night. What's your relationship with the word of God? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You need the word of God. Pastor Jeff, once we were going somewhere and he had his Bible, said, well, I always got to have my sword on me. And that stuck with me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to always have it with me. And sometimes people are like, why do you have your Bible with you? I might need it. Who knows? And I'll tell you, more opportunities have come that I just unexpectedly, something comes up. I was just with someone yesterday where we were just catching up and then I had it in marriage. They were talking about wedding and I was like, let's talk about marriage. Bam, got right in the word. All scripture, if it's a lamp and light, if we're saying all the things that we've just said about it, don't just carry it into church. Let's be real. And don't use the phone one. You know how I feel about screens. Carry a paper Bible. That's all I'm going to say about that. But the question you have to ask yourself, do you yourself rest in the promises of God? Because his way is perfect. His word is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in him. He's perfect, proven, shield, anchoring in the word. And we see in these verses, David is saying here, you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten darkness. For by you, I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. What about us with the full word of God? Are you looking confidently in the promise we have? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Are you confidently looking to the hope that we have? That's what we have to ask ourselves, because... His deliverance is from the enemy. Our deliverance is from the enemy. Our deliverance right now in the church age is from the great tribulation. We have that promise, but what are you doing with it? Don't be rapture waiters. 
Share the word. Share who he is. Share what is to come. That people would come to know him. Charge for this week. One, David in this psalm says, I kept myself from my iniquity. Open heart surgery time again. I know we do it all the time. But open heart surgery. Examine your sin life. I don't have a sin life. I'm a believer. Knock it off. Examine your sin life. Everybody's got sin. Examine it. Be real with yourself. We need to be all Long Islanders on that one. We're just New Yorkers. We're very boom, boom. We need a little New York when it comes to sin, folks. Just be real with it, okay? Go there. Go there with the Lord and say, Lord, tell me where to knock it off. Tell me where things have to change. And when you're going there, are you correctable? Because if you start hearing this, like, well, but I, you're not correctable. You're making excuses. But, shh, no buts. Just go before him. Be correctable. Two, merciful, blameless, pure, humble. We saw these things come up. Ask God to search your character. Because we see him talking about the merciful and the blameless here and all that, but we have the whole word of God. We have the Sermon on the Mount where we're given how our character is to be. Search your character. Walk through Matthew 5 this week. Is it you or is it him? Is it self or is it spirit? And charge three, I am a broken record. Get in your Bible more. Get in the word of God more. Know him more. Trust him more. Share him more. Look to the eternal promises that we have more. And let that be your anchor. Truly, let this, let the word of God be your foundation for everything. So that you can say the first two verses of Psalm 18. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Because if you're saying he's your strength, this is the strength. The word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for just how you have knit it together for us, Heavenly Father. Help us to ponder these verses, Lord, to meditate on these verses, Lord God, and to allow you to truly search us, Lord, that we're refined and can be better for you, for your glory, Lord. And that the same way that David was able to look to what you would do, that we would look to your promise, Lord. And as we eagerly await that moment, Lord, as we see things in our world going on that point to different things that can point to your return, Lord, that we would remember we have work to do while we wait. That we would be diligent about your work, Lord. And that we would remember your way of achieving your work is perfect. Your way of bringing us to salvation was perfect. Your word is perfect. It is proven, Lord. And Father, help us to rest in the fact that you are a shield, Lord, but it's a shield when we trust in you. Help us to trust in nothing but you alone. Please, Lord. Help us, help our brothers and sisters of this church to draw closer to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.